Welcome to New Life Assembly of God Media Ministry. We are glad that you are here. We believe the Word of God is relevant and life-changing, and we hope you can be blessed by this message. Praise the Lord. If you'll take your scriptures in hand and turn with me to Matthew chapter 5, we're going to be uh, reading verses 43 through 44 in just a moment. Excuse me, I'm sorry, I gave you the wrong passage. Nehemiah chapter 6, and we're going to be reading uh, from verse 1 in just a moment. I apologize for that. Amen. We're continuing our series this morning on dealing with toxic relationships. This is our third message in the series. If you missed the prior two messages, jump online to our YouTube channel or our Facebook page, and you can catch up there because I believe uh, this is a very relevant topic. I had so many people talk to me about it last week. I know it's something that many people are dealing with, and so we need to hear God's voice on this subject. Today's message is titled, No Time to Waste, No Time to Waste. You know, in the movie Gettysburg, General Lee, and remember he was one of the Confederate generals, so I don't advocate what the Confederates were fighting for, but I believe that this, uh, this scene illustrates an important uh, thought for us. So General Lee is portrayed as being furious with another Confederate general named General Stewart because General Stewart withdrew his cavalry and left the Confederate forces all but blind without sending any recon uh, reports during the early days of the Civil War battle in Pennsylvania. When Stewart finally returns, General Lee chastises him, forcefully informing General Stewart that many officers believe Stewart had let them all down. Offended, Stuart demands to know the names of those that were talking bad about him. And General Lee responds with conviction and says, there is no time for that because they were in the middle of battle. So Lee proceeds to scold the cavalry officer for leaving all of them woefully uninformed about the Union Army's positions. And he says to make himself very clear, this must never happen again. So Stuart flinches at Lee's harsh words, and he puts down his hat. He pulls out his sword as a sign of resignation. He's going to give up his office. And he says, since I have lost your confidence, General. And Lee slams his fist down uh, on the table, and he screams, I have told you, there is no time for that. There is no time their armies were involved in a very furious struggle. Men were literally dying by the moment. Which men and how many men uh, would depend on choices that they were making in that very moment, even as they were speaking. And there was no time to worry about personal squabbles or hurt feelings or, 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 or uh, injured egos. All energy had to be focused on the task at hand. That's why Lee said there is no time for that. Now, that same focused urgency is all the more essential for us as God's people because we are fighting a battle and we have a greater task to accomplish to reach the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ because people are dying by the second without Christ entering into an eternity of torment. We are engaged in spiritual battle with the lives of men and women in jeopardy. And so there is no time for personal squabbles and, and dealing with toxic people. We have a mission to accomplish. And this is a mindset that Nehemiah understood all all too well. Read with me, if you will, Nehemiah chapter 6, beginning in verse 1. Yes. Sand, 
Sanballat, Tobiah, Geshem the Arab, and the rest of our enemies found out that I had finished rebuilding the wall and that no gaps remained, though we had not yet set up the doors and the gates. So Sanballat and Geshem sent a message asking to meet at one of the villages in the plain of Ono. But I realized that they were plotting to harm me. So I replied by sending this message to them. I am engaged in a great work, so I can't come. Why should I stop working to come and meet with you? Four times they sent the same message, and each time I gave the same reply. You know, the people of God were trying to rebuild the city of Jerusalem, which had been destroyed uh, years before uh, by the Babylonians. And, and um, they had been in 70 years of exile. They finally returned home. God tells them to rebuild the city. But there were people that did not want to see the walls of Jerusalem rebuilt. They did not want to see God's, the work on God's city completed. They didn't want to see Jerusalem strengthened and fortified. They did not want the walls to be rebuilt. And as a result, these enemies did everything in their power to stop God's people from completing the work. They wanted Nehemiah and the people of Jerusalem to become so discouraged by all of their opposition that they would end up giving up the work of God, abandoning God's plan, and surrendering and remaining weak and vulnerable anytime the enemy wanted to maraud them. Now, Zechariah 3 tells us the real source of this opposition. I'm not going to turn there and read it, but you can at your own leisure. And the Bible tells us the real source of this opposition was Satan working behind Sanballat and Tobiah and, and, and Geshem the Arab. It was Satan at work to defeat God's people. Satan's intention is to use other people to distract us, discourage us, and ultimately to defeat us in order to stop us from doing the work that the Lord has called us to do. So that we will get so discouraged that we'll quit praying, that we'll stop coming to church, that we'll give up whatever ministry God has called us to, that we'll stop sharing our faith because we're just so wore out, so discouraged, so, so downcast that we feel like, who am I even to tell somebody about Jesus because it's not working for me? That's what Satan wants to end up happening. And you say to me today as we read that passage of scripture and talk about the people of Israel, you say, what does that have to do with toxic people, Pastor Maria? Well, Nehemiah and the Jews faced the attack of toxic people who relentlessly opposed them to the point that the people of Israel became so weary that they wanted to give up had it not been for Nehemiah. But Nehemiah was able to wisely and skillfully deal with these toxic people and enable the work of the Lord to continue and be completed. And Nehemiah's handling of these toxic opponents serves as a pattern to teach us how to deal with toxic people today. So let's listen to God speaking to our heart. And if you don't know how to recognize a toxic person in your life, go back and, and listen to last week's message because I gave us three characteristics of toxic people. So you'll need to listen to that message if you cannot readily recognize a toxic person. But learning from Nehemiah how to deal with toxic people, realize it's not about you, it's about what God desires to do through you. 
It's not about you. It's about what God desires to do through you. Satan's goal is to stop the mission of God. Satan's goal is is to get you so downcast and discouraged that you will give up seeking God and seeking to do the will of God. And one of his most effective tactics in accomplishing his goal is to use toxic people as he did with Nehemiah. Toxic people aren't toxic merely to break you down emotionally, drain your passion, uh, sap your energy and joy, shatter your peace, and destroy your self-confidence. They do all of that, but that's not their goal. Just like God uses human beings to bless us, Satan uses people to drain us, discourage us, distract us, and defeat us. We all have something more important to do than deal with toxic stupidity. There, I said it. Because that's what it is. Amen? When people creating all this drama, and it's like, I don't have time for that. I don't have time for that. Amen? In Matthew 6, 33, Jesus gives us a mandate. He says that we are to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. This is the calling of every Christian. The supreme task of our life that must take precedence above everything else is seeking to extend the rule and reign of God in every facet of our life and also in society. That means that we live for God's agenda and not our own. Our life is about accomplishing one specific task and that is fulfilling God's kingdom purpose. Now Satan knows that and Satan will send toxic people to soak up your time, to drain your energy because when you're dealing with all of that drama, you don't have energy to do anything else. He wants to drain you of your energy. He wants to distract you from your kingdom purpose and he wants to make you feel hopeless. Focusing our time and energy on toxic people is a waste of time. It's kind of like trying to sweep sand at the beach. It ain't never going to get done. And when you deal with toxic people, you cannot change them. You're just wasting your time and your energy. Better distance yourself or put up some good walls like like Jerusalem was trying to put up their walls and pray for them because you can't change them only God can and they got to be willing for it amen but our goal must be to stay on mission one writer specifically states how Satan targets spiritual leaders and he says Satan paints a big red bull's eye on the backs of Christian leaders. He knows that he can frustrate mission accomplishment if he can take out strategic leaders devoted to the cause. Just like they were targeting Nehemiah along with the people, but Nehemiah was the main target. Satan targets leaders. He goes on to say, Nehemiah's single-minded commitment to his mission, his cunning insight into the wiles of his enemy, and his dogged determination to not be sidetracked provides an example for all to follow in dealing with toxic people. Nehemiah lived with a kingdom first mindset and the call to seek first the kingdom of God is the key spiritual principle of how to deal with toxic people. We need to learn how to deal with toxic people in a Christ honoring way, in a Christ honoring way, because it's really not about us. 
It's really not about us. It's about God and his kingdom. It's not about safeguarding our joy, protecting our peace, or keeping our sanity. It's first and foremost about staying on mission, seeking first the kingdom of God. Now, if we were to read in Nehemiah chapter 4, verses 1 through 3, it says this, Sanballat and Tobiah, leaders of the enemies of God's people, were very angry when they heard that the Jews were rebuilding the wall. And what I want us to see is that anytime we set ourselves to serve the Lord, anytime we set ourselves to seek God, anytime we set ourselves to, to do the work of God, it is going to anger the devil. He is our enemy. Amen. And so what happened? The devil, because Zechariah 3 tells us it was the devil working between Sanballat and Tobiah and Geshem. And so uh, the devil working through them began to ridicule them. What do you think you're building? You're trying to build that wall. Oh man, a strong breeze could blow it over. They began to insult them. They began to mock the Jews, saying, what do do you bunch of poor, feeble uh, Jews think that you are doing? Do you think that you can actually rebuild this wall from all the rubble? Because remember, the city had been destroyed, and they're using all of the rubble to try to, to, to rebuild the wall. And they say, what do you think? You can rebuild this city uh, from all of that rubble? And even if you do, don't you know it's going to collapse? So they're, they're insulting them. They're mocking them. They're ridiculing them. And their intent is to sow doubt in the hearts of the Jews to break their confidence down, to destroy their faith in God and get them so discouraged in their city, in their, in their, in their souls. And, and, and Nehemiah, when, when this began to happen, what did Nehemiah do? He prayed. It says Nehemiah prayed and the result was that the people were strengthened. They were encouraged. They were strengthened to go on. But you know what? The enemy didn't give up. The Bible tells us that then, because their insults and their mocking and their ridicule didn't work, that Sanballat and Tobiah planned a violent attack to throw the people into confusion. Because let me tell you something, toxic people don't give up easily. And, and when Sanballat got, uh, when, when Nehemiah got wind, he, he became aware of this plot to attack them. In, in verse 9, what did Nehemiah do? He led the people in prayer. And then he set watchmen on the wall. We've got to set spiritual watchmen on the wall who will continually look out for the activity of the enemy and will pray and intercede against the works of darkness. But the opposition, even though, you know, Nehemiah has the people praying and he sets the uh, the watchmen on the wall, guess what? The opposition the constant, relentless opposition starts to wear on the people because it drains you. And, and, and they begin to complain. And they tell Nehemiah, we're getting tired. This is too much. We're trying to build. We have all of this opposition. Now we have to half our labor to have some people watching and some people working. And we're just tired. And they said, we're never going to be able to finish the wall. That's what the enemy wants. The enemy wants you to get discouraged and throw in the towel and say, I can't serve God. I can't do anything for God. I got too much on my plate. I got too much going on. But Nehemiah encouraged the people and he said, don't be afraid of the enemy. Remember the Lord. Remember the God that we serve. He is great. He says, remember the Lord who is great and glorious. 
And then he says, fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. He's saying, remember the stakes. The enemy doesn't just want you to stop building. The enemy wants you to stop building the wall so that he has an easy time to come in and invade and take your, your family captive. Folks, we're fighting not just for ourselves. We are fighting for our families, for our sons, for our daughters, for our spouses, for our grandchildren and our nieces and nephews. There's people's lives at stake. So Nehemiah instructed the people to work with a tool in one hand and a weapon in one hand. Folks, we always have to be doing spiritual warfare. We can never be blind to the fact that we have a very real enemy that is coming against us and he wants to attack us. And so we have to be constantly in spiritual battle while we're serving the Lord, while we're doing the work of the Lord. Amen? Then the enemy realizes that his plans were frustrated. And so what he does is he doesn't give up. He shrinks back and he regroups. He begins to re-strategize. So now in chapter six, the enemy takes a different tactic. He sends messengers to say to Nehemiah, let's be friends. Let's meet together and see how we can do the work, work together. How are you gonna work together with the devil? How are you going to work together with the enemy? Nehemiah understood this. But, you know, the, the, the enemy is counting on this, you know. Because as God's people, aren't we supposed to be loving and forgiving and gracious? and kind? Aren't we supposed to try to work out things? Let me tell you something. There are some people that there's no working things out with. With toxic people, there's no working things out with them. Now, we don't hold any bitterness. We don't hold any resentment. We don't hold any unforgiveness because what that's going to do is grieve the Spirit of God in our life. So we forgive them. We say, God, I turn them over into your hands. You know who they are. You know what they're doing. You deal with them, God. You pray for them and you release them. But don't keep trying to change them because that's going to be like beating your head up against a cement wall. The only person that's going to get hurt is you, not the cement wall. I can guarantee you. Amen. So Nehemiah was discerning, and he knew they didn't really want to be friends. In Nehemiah 6.3, he said he knew they intended to harm him. So they were trying to lure Nehemiah out from the safety of Jerusalem where he had guards set with weapons, and their intent was to kill the leader. Because they knew that if they killed Nehemiah, the leader of the people, the people were already weary and tired. It was Nehemiah that kept encouraging them along. They knew if, I, if we can just take out the leader, then the rest of them will be easy prey. And I would just put in a little caveat here. That's why it is so important for you to pray for your spiritual leaders. That's why the Bible tells us repeatedly to pray for our spiritual leaders. Amen? Because the people that are on the front line that the enemy is going to try to target first and foremost is the leader because like the scripture says strike the shepherd and the sheep will scatter so the enemy targets leaders so so uh, four times they attempt to lure Nehemiah out to say come meet with us I, I can almost hear their persuasions come you're supposed to be a man of God you're supposed to love everybody you, you're supposed to forgive us. I know we tried to attack and kill you earlier, but you're supposed to forgive us. You're supposed to open your arms to us and let us try to kill you again. 
Now they don't say it quite like that, amen? <laughs> but that's the way it is. They're evil and they're toxic, amen? And their intent is to destroy us. So four times they try to bring Nehemiah out, but they're evil and toxic, so they won't listen to, to, to God. They won't listen to Nehemiah, and Nehemiah knew that. You cannot reason with toxic people. Now the fifth time, they, they turn away from, from trying to, to be friends, and now they turn to trying to intimidate Nehemiah. They start threatening him. And they say, you know what? If you don't come meet with us, we're going to uh, accuse you to the king that you're trying to strengthen Jerusalem so much because you want to lead a rebellion against the king. So now we're going to lie against you and bring false accusations against toxic people. They try every tactic in the book. Everyone. Amen. Toxic people would ridicule, mock, criticize. They will threaten. They will intimidate. They will try to manipulate all in an attempt to discourage and defeat you. Because why? Satan is working through them to stop you from doing the work of the Lord and from serving the Lord. But we need to follow Nehemiah's example and say, I don't have time for that. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, 58, So my dear brothers and sisters, be strong and immovable. Always work enthusiastically for the Lord, for you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. But I want you to hear that. Be strong and immovable. Don't allow toxic people to shake you and move you off your mission. Amen. Be strong and immovable and just keep doing the work of the Lord like Nehemiah did. Don't yield to toxic people. Keep focused on the Lord and don't stop for anything. Like General Lee said, we don't have time for that. Amen? Remember, we've all been called by God to a task that is very urgent and important, and I believe all the more urgent. I just recently um, saw the news headlines and read an article on the fact that the U.S. administration has given the green light to the central bank digital currency, which Europe has already gone full swing into. What does that mean? A cashless society. What does that mean? The reality of a numerical system that will control 666, remember book of Revelation? A numerical system that will control the entire world population so that you cannot buy or sell or work without that number. We are moving towards that with a cashless society. And now uh, the U.S. has greenlit the United States in moving forward into the central bank. And also, central bank, one world economy, which is the platform for when the Antichrist rises and there will be a one world government, a one world economy, and a cashless society whereby people will be controlled by a numerical system. This is something that was not possible prior to this generation. Folks, I believe we are living very close to the return of the Lord. And the Bible says, when we see these things, look up for our redemption draws near. Jesus Christ is near at hand. Amen? So our mission is all the more urgent now. We really don't have time for that. For all this drama that toxic people bring. That's why it's so important that we learn how to wisely and skillfully respond to toxic people like Nehemiah did. Nehemiah said, this work is too important. I don't have time for that. And we need to have the same attitude. Not in an ugly way because we want to honor Christ. 
but we just need to have that firm conviction in my heart. I don't have time for all your drama. I don't have time for all your drama. Second principle, resolve to stay on task and refuse to allow toxic people to stop you. Nehemiah teaches us several practical principles for dealing with toxic people and staying on mission. First, don't let it become personal. It's not about you. When somebody constantly tries to tear you down, insult you, ridicule you, mock you, it says more about them than it does you. It's about them. It's not about you. When you see that pattern of behavior, realize, hey, it's not about me. They got a problem. They got a problem. Be like Nehemiah. Pray and ignore all of their stuff, all their drama. Let God be your defense. Let God vindicate you. Second principle, avoid toxic people when possible. Nehemiah just refused to engage in conversation with his opponents. Just come, come down, be our friend, talk with us. I don't have nothing to say. I don't have time for that. Now, you don't have to say it that way, but you can live it that way. Amen? You can live it that way. In Proverbs 26, 4, the wisdom writer tells us, don't get engaged in foolish arguments with a fool because then you become as foolish as they are. And there's some people that you just can't reason with. And the more you try to reason with them, the more dumb you become. Not any of you. I'm not talking about any of you. I'm talking about folks down at the other church. Amen. There's just no reasoning with a toxic person. You have to love them enough to refuse to play their game. Did you hear me? Love them enough to refuse to play their game. Proverbs 26, 20. I love the book of Proverbs. It is a book of practical wisdom. It has so many principles to teach us how to live on a daily basis. Proverbs 26, 26, 20 says, the fire goes out without wood and quarrels stop when you stop fueling the fire. Basically, they're going on and on with their toxicity and you just sit there and don't say nothing. Eventually, they're going to burn themselves out because if you say something, you give them more fuel and they keep on going. But if you just sit back and you don't engage, they burn themselves out eventually because there's no more fuel on the fire. Amen. And, 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 and I've tried it. I had a, a, a toxic person in my life some time ago, and the individual would, would, would cause strife over anything. Like I said last week, so, over nothing. And all of a sudden, they're in this big blowout, and you're like, where did that come from? And they, when, when they got a hold, it was like a dog with a bone when they got a hold of something. They would go on and on and on. And at first, you know, when I, I, I was first relating that with that person, I would try to respond to them with reason. I soon saw this is futile. Because the more I try to talk reason, the more they blow this thing up. There's no reasoning with a toxic person. So I learned that often the best response is no response. I would just get quiet and let them go on and on and on. And when they took a breath, I would try to end the call as quickly as possible. Don't fuel the fire. Just stay silent. You don't have to answer everything they have to say because remember, the problem's not you, it's them. So you don't have to defend yourself. Let God be your defense and end the conversation as soon as possible. And avoid interaction with a toxic person where possible. Like Nehemiah. And they're saying, come on down, talk to us. 
And he's like, you know what? I've got an important work to do. I don't have time to that. I don't have anything to say to you, all right? That's why four times they tried to get Nehemiah to come down and talk to them. And each time he adamantly refused and said, I can't leave this great work to waste time talking to you. In essence, I don't have time for your foolishness. Now, I don't advise you saying that to a spouse or a parent or a loved one. Don't say it that way. But you can diplomatically and subtly reduce your exposure to their toxicity. Amen? But he knew that they were not sincere in wanting to work things out. They just wanted to take him out. They didn't want to work it out. They wanted to take him out. And they wanted to stop the work of God. So we need to realize toxicity for what it is. It's a work of the enemy. And his desire is to take us out. Amen? Now the third principle, accept that you cannot change a toxic person. You can't change anybody, folks. Only God can. And that requires them to admit that they have a problem, repent of it, and desire change. Only then is it possible, because God doesn't force himself on anybody, right? Toxic people like the way that they are, and they think you're the problem. They think everybody else is the problem. So when they think they're right, they obviously don't want to change. They lack the humility to recognize that they need to change. There's a story about a doctor who told a man that, you know what, your health is so bad that you're going to kill yourself if you don't stop eating red meat. So the man said, sure, doc, I'll do it. And the man stopped putting ketchup on his steaks and hamburgers. Some folks just don't want to change. They just don't want to change, no matter how much their behavior may be hurting them. (laughs) Nehemiah knew that Sanballat, Tobiah, and Geshem were resolved to harm him. They wanted to stop the work on the walls of Jerusalem. There there was no meeting. There, There was no amount of talking that was going to change their mind. You know, folks... Only God can convict someone, and they have to respond to his conviction. And that's the work of the Holy Spirit. Sometimes we try to be the Holy Spirit in somebody else's life. We try to convince them. We try to convict them. We try to bring them to repentance. That is not your job. And you're going to frustrate yourself and wear yourself out. And you can even discourage yourself and say, God, why aren't you doing something? You know, that is not your job. What you can do is what Nehemiah did. You can pray for him and le- release him into the hands of God and say, God, you deal with him because I can't. I can't. Amen. And, and just leave him in God's hands. Pray for him, pray for him, pray for him. Let God deal with them. But as a result of Nehemiah's wise and skillful handling of the toxic people who had tried to hinder the work of the Lord, the, the Jewish people, under Nehemiah's leadership, what they could not do in decades because of that constant opposition, under Nehemiah's leadership, when he dealt with the toxic people the way he did, they were able to finish the wall in 52 days. They hadn't been able to do it in decades because they kept getting discouraged by all that toxicity. But now Nehemiah came and said, I don't got no time for that. And in 52 days, they were able to finish the work the Lord had given them to do. 
folks, time is short. Our work is great. Lives hang in the balance. And Jesus urges us, saying we must work quickly to carry out the task assigned to us by the one who sent us because the night is coming and then no one can work. He's talking about the end of time, right? And he said that the, 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 the end is fast approaching and there's coming a time where we will no longer be able to work. Folks, time is short. We have a mission. It is urgent because souls hang in the balance. We don't got no time for that drama. We don't got no time for toxic people. Amen? We got to learn how to deal with them in a Christ-honoring way. The mission must be our focus. And unless we're married to the toxic person, or we have to work with them due to our job and we don't have an option to change, then like Nehemiah, we need to refuse to allow them to distract us. So if you have toxic people in your life, pray and ask God to give you the wisdom to ignore them firmly and graciously. Graciously. Let me say that again. Graciously. So that you can remain mission-focused and not allow them to distract you, discourage you, and drain you to the point of giving up. And I know no one here is a toxic person, but if you are, and you recognized yourself as we were talking, God is calling you to change. Repent and surrender yourself to God and say, God, I can't change me. Only you can, but I ask you to work in me. Make me who you're calling me to be. Amen? And whoever you are, God loves you, and he has a beautiful plan for your life. Don't let toxic people keep you from God's plan for you and drain you of your passion, your peace, your joy, and your strength. And the first step to knowing and walking in God's good plan is to enter into relationship with the Lord through repentance and faith. Would you bow your heads with me? If you're here today and you have not yet given your heart to the Lord, you know, we're all sinners and sin separates us from God. That's the reason Jesus died for us. So that when we repent of our sins, and the word repent means to turn away from, and place our faith in Jesus as our Savior, in that moment, Jesus says we're born again, we're made spiritually alive, and we are brought into right relationship with God. And if you're here today and you would say, pray for me, Pastor, I want to repent of my sins. I want to place my faith in Jesus because I want to be born again. I want a relationship with God. Or maybe you did it several years ago. You drifted away. You know you need to come back, and you can feel the Holy Spirit tugging at your heart, and you would say, pray for me, Pastor. I want to come back to Jesus. If that's you, you'd say, I want to come to Jesus, or I want to come back to Jesus. Pray for me, Pastor. If that's you, would you just slip your hand up, and you can put it right back down. Pray for me, Pastor. I want to come to Jesus, or I want to come back to Jesus. Thank you for that hand. Is there another hand? Thank you for another hand. Is there another? Thank you for another, 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 and another. Anyone else? Amen. I'm going to ask those that raised your hand in just a moment to pray a simple prayer with me. Thank you so much for having the courage to raise your hand. I commend you. It's the best decision you'll ever make. I'm going to ask you just to pray a simple prayer with me. And it's not my words, but it's your heart in faith. God is going to do exactly what you ask him to do. And church, would you pray along with us just to encourage those that are praying it for the first time? Would you pray this prayer with me? Dear Jesus, 
I believe that you are the Son of God. And I believe that you love me so much that you died for my sins. Today, I repent. I turn away from my sinful life. And I ask you to forgive me of all of my sins. And I turn to you in faith. And I invite you to come live inside of me and help me from this day forth to live for you. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Praise the Lord. If you prayed that prayer and meant it, I want to congratulate you on making the best decision of your life. That prayer was a beginning and not an ending. It's the beginning of a wonderful lifelong journey with the Lord, and we have to grow in our relationship with God, and we want to help you do that. One of the things we want to do is that we want to send you free of charge a little e-booklet that will help you understand the prayer you just prayed and the next steps to take to keep growing in your relationship with the Lord. In order to send you that little e-booklet free of charge, we need your email address, so we're going to ask you if you would just e uh, type your email address and send it to the number on the screen, and we will will send you free of charge this little e-booklet. So if you've got your phone, if you would take it out right now and just text your email address to that number on the screen and we will send you this little e-booklet free of charge to help you get a good start in your new relationship with God. But once again, congratulations and we are so happy for you. We welcome you to the family of God. As we close, I want to talk to those of us who have already given our heart to Christ. We may have been in church for years but you can be in church and not be allowing God to change you and let the Holy Spirit rule inside of you. And if you're a toxic person, it's time to surrender that to God and repent of it and ask God to change you. And secondly, if you're here as a believer and you're dealing with toxic people in your life, then you could identify with how it just drains you and discourages you. But God has so much more for you and God has a purpose and a mission for you that you cannot allow him, allow toxic people to distract and discourage you. So I want you to make a commitment today to stand steadfast and immovable and say, you know what, in my spirit, I don't have time for that. And I'm not going to let toxic people get under my skin. I'm not going to waste time arguing with them or trying to change them because I know I can. I'm going to pray for them release them into God's hands. Pray for them, release them into God's hands. Pray for them again, release them into God's hands. But I'm not going to waste time arguing with them or trying to uh, change them. I'm going to stay steadfast and focused on seeking God and doing his work. Now, if you fit into either of those categories, you're a toxic person, need to repent and surrender, or you're someone dealing with a toxic person, and you would say, you know what, I don't want to be distracted anymore by this. I want to stay on mission. I want to stay focused. So I'm going to commit to be steadfast and immovable, pray for them and turn them over to God, and not allow them to distract me anymore. If you fit into either of those categories, would you stand to your feet? You fit into either of those categories, just stand to your feet. We just want to pray together with you right now. Hallelujah. Nothing to be ashamed or afraid of, folks. This is what the church is here for. We're not a bunch of perfect people. We're not here to judge anybody. We are here to encourage you to grow in the Lord and to pray for you. All of those that are standing, would you just slip out and make your way to this altar right now and just come and stand at this altar? I think there's something important about coming forward and, and, and meeting God at this altar. It's a sacred place. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise you, Jesus. Now, you know the reason that you're coming to this altar. You know what's brought you here. 
I want you to have a personal conversation with God about it right now as, as we have guided you in, in the response God is calling for. You talk to God, you make that commitment, whether you're a toxic person needing to surrender and repent and ask for change, or you're dealing with a toxic person and you need to ask God for strength to be able to stand and not allow it to distract and discourage you. You talk to God, lift up your voice as I pray over us. Heavenly Father, I thank you for each and every person at this altar. I thank you, Lord, for their openness to your word and to your spirit. I thank you that they're responding today to your call and saying, Lord, I hear what you're saying to me. And, and, and it's not falling on deaf ears. I want it to change the way I live and the way I act, Lord God. And so, Father, as we stand before you, we lift up any people that may be toxic, Lord, and they've recognized it this morning. And I thank you, Lord, that if they've recognized it, they've come to this altar and they say, Lord, I repent. Father, I pray that by your mercy that you would help them, Lord God, to, to let go of those toxic behaviors, Lord God, to release them to you. And I pray that they would surrender to your Holy Spirit and allow you to transform them and make them the man or woman that you're calling them to be so that they can have healthy relationships, Lord God, with, with their families, with, with their spouses, with their children, with, with their friends, Lord God. Father, set them free. Break those chains over their life in Jesus' name. Father, I'm praying for those that are dealing with toxic people, Lord. Father, I pray that you would give them the strength, that you would encourage their heart, that you would uh, enable them, Lord God, to trust you as their defense, that they don't have to defend themselves with their words. Lord, you are their defense. I pray that you would give them the strength and the wisdom to not let toxic people get under their skin and get them worked up, Lord God. I pray that you would give them the wisdom to understand that they can't change that person. And I pray that you would give them the grace to release that toxic person into your hands through prayer, Lord God, to allow you to deal with them. And I pray by the power of the Holy Spirit that you would help your people to remain focused on the mission, that they would not allow the drama of toxic people to distract them, discourage them, or defeat them, Lord God. Strengthen us in our inner man by the power of the Holy Spirit that we may have the resolve and perseverance to continue moving forward regardless of what anyone around us may do. Father, bless your people. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. If you were blessed by this message, would you consider giving a gift to help support our ministry? You can text any amount to 954-516-1522. That's 954-516-1522. Thank you. And we hope you will join us again.